Welcome to the Land Jam Podcast, a semi-friendly discussion between two blokes on watches, cars, and everything in between. Now, here are your hosts, Tommy and Sanjeev. Welcome to a Land Jam Short, Living in Zen. Uh, Tommy, what's this? Is this a a Tupac rap discussion or what's, what's going on? A Tupac rap discussion? Yeah, you know, he makes a song, Me and My Girlfriend. I don't know how the lyrics go exactly, but it's living in life of sin or sin, sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I'm a Tupac fan too, but uh, I haven't really been uh, playing a lot of Tupac recently. I'm, I'm a little bit lost here, Sanch. Me and My uh, Girlfriend. There was another song by Jay-Z and, uh, and Beyonce, Me and My Girlfriend. No, no. Bonnie and Clyde, sorry. Okay, what's the lyric? I can't remember. It's too too long. Oh God! This 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 is a sign of us approaching. You know, this is a sign of dementia. This is an early sign of dementia. Okay. Yeah. So oh, all you know, I need in this life of sin is sin is me and my girlfriend. Me and my. Girlfriend. <laughs> I like how we both like miss. Mistakenly said Zen instead of Sin. <laughs> and you completely got the the artist wrong and the coast of rap wrong. Okay. Tupac was West Coast, Jay-Z East Coast. I understand, it's, but it's, he, it's, he and, and Beyonce made a, a song together, Bonnie and Clyde. Okay, yeah. You just got everything wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> the only reason why I remember that that particular song, apart from this whole discussion, is that I think Jay-Z and Beyonce, they were driving an Aston Martin Vanquish. Oh, wow. Okay. Little auto tidbit there. but anyway. This is James Bond's car, right? Yes. The um, current James Bond car? Isn't that the Vanquish V8? Uh, no, that's the Vantage V8. Vantage V8. Uh, but uh, yeah. Piers Brosnan drove the Vanquish and uh, died another day. Oh God! <laughs> this is not an endorsement of this car that anybody wants. <laughs> no. no, that's that's the one where the car gets invisible, right? Yes, yes. And, and they, the enemy like, is a North Korean shapeshifter or something like that. He gets basically, yeah. And they're like chasing each other in like the Antarctica or somewhere. You know, I, I just want to point out one thing. You know, there is a history. So in, in You Only Live Twice, Sean Connery becomes Japanese. They do some surgery, some, and it's like the worst, like it's clearly Sean Connery. He just looks a little different or like someone punched him in the face. And that's kind of his Japanese plastic surgery thing. And you know oh, what I'm talking boy. about? And then no, in this, I have not seen that, that Bond film. It's called You Only Live Twice. I think it's from 1967. It's a good movie. It's iconic. But yeah, this is something that hasn't aged well. Any um, movie with Connery in it as Bond is iconic to you. That's of course. Just... The, that's James Bond. But anyway, I do want to point out that the villain in Die Another Day um, was originally North Korean. And he gets plastic surgery done. And they just put some English actor in. And that was the end of it. There was no, yes. there was no attempt to make this guy North Korean. <laughs> I think his name in the, in the Bond film, like his villain name was Gustav Graves. Oh, God. How do you remember this? I don't know. All I remember is, going back to my fascination about cars, Yes, he always transported a sick collection of cars. He had, I think, a Lamborghini Diablo, 
a Ferrari F three five five and one other car. I can't remember. Who are we talking about? Jay Z? Uh, no, no, no. Gustav Graves. And, and his, you know, he had like this airplane that he always had his possessions. You know, this is a very for the audience. You know, this is very embarrassing for Sanj, and he doesn't even know that it's embarrassing. The fact Listen. that he knows the ins and outs of this villain from a terrible James Bond movie. Okay? <laughs> this is a movie that I saw once and never watched again. Sanj knows this guy's car collection inside and, and out. <laughs> and this is coming from the guy who is so excited about the next Star Wars pod racing game of episode oh, one. God. Well, th- so, you know, if you haven't heard uh, Star Wars Pod Racer from episode one, which is on Nintendo 64, you know, 20 years ago, is being re-released for PS4. You're yeah, just looking forward to play Jar Jar again in some sort it. of capacity. That's it. It's the closest I know to how Sanj lives. You know, it's the Jar Jar lifestyle. And yet, you still record a podcast with me. <laughs> oh, yeah, we. It is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. You found no one else but me. That's right. The only people into watches like me are, are weirdos. I guess I'm a weirdo too. It was so. either it was literally a wall watching paint dry or me. Who I picked for the podcast? <laughs> Sanj, you don't give yourself enough credit. This is fun, Sanj. This is why I do it. Come on. <laughs> you, if you, if we're literally living in the same apartment, you literally backhand me every time to get my act together to record something. That's right. That's right. So, I mean, the reason we're recording this puppy today is to mark a new watch, and uh, I spoke about new a watch last- alert. Yes. New watch alert. Yeah. So we spoke about it last episode or two episodes ago. Uh, finally got the Zin 144 STSA. Um, this is just a little bit of background, right? So Zin, you know, was, was a company founded out of Germany in 1961, uh, focused on professional specialized watches, watches basically for um, people who would use them, whether it's divers, whether it's pilots, uh, they made watches for the German army. Uh, for NATO, they were making watches for German special forces. They still do that today. Um, so really, this is the quintessential tool watch. You know, if if uh, if I mean, I'm going to say something a little controversial here. If Seiko is you know one side of the tool watch universe, and they make all kinds of tool watches for people who really use them and beat them up, Zinn is the other side. Um, so obviously, you know, Zinn's close to my heart. Um, so I mean, you know, the two watch brands that are you know. You and I are both fans of, big fans. And Omega. I think those three yeah. is the constellation for us. Yeah. I mean, like it, in, in our world, like the top three, if we were to, you know, kind of like circle around, it, it would be Omega, Zen, and Seiko. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. And I'm shocked that you said that. But I'm, I agree with you 100%. <laughs> it's not like we don't like any of the other watch brands, but like if it was the top three. Those are the top this, three. Yeah. And, it, and it's hard say. it's hard to put one over the other. I think all three of them kind of bring something different to the table. And right. yeah. And I think we all have one of each, right? You, you I don't, don't have, have a Zen. Yeah. But you have an Omega. Actually, I, I, I actually take that back. For me, it's the fourth one. You know what where I'm coming down to. What what is it? The Fordis, man. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I you were going to say it. I wanted you to say it. <laughs> you can't beat Fortis. They have a rich history. All right? Yeah. Oh, man. I, I like Fortis. You know, I, I just do it to really just troll you. Uh, Fortis is great. I know. Yeah, Fortis I... is great. So, okay, back to the Zen 144. So, Zen 144 is in that same constellation of watches that were designed in the mid-1970s with the integrated lugs. 
Um, very similar in, in the look to Porsche Rafina design, um, Hoyer. Um, yeah, what, what else am I, what am I, what am I leaving out here, Sanj? I mean, the Tutima, the Tutima. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they all have that similar look. It's sort of like a modernist, uh, modernist watch. They have the tachometer scales internal to the watch, yep. not external, like the Speedmaster. Uh, the lugs are integrated. Um, and this is just one amongst those watches, um, uh, that were produced. Now, Zinn, the 144 was the original, one of the original models that Zinn released, um, you know, back in, back in the six, in the seventies. And they've kind of kept this model going. Uh, you can still get a Zinn 144 today, um, which is actually, uh, pretty amazing. You know, uh, a lot of the other, like Hoyer doesn't make, you know, there's those models of watches anymore. Those, those classic, uh, yes. like the Audi Spark, Audi Sport watches that I was talking about a couple of yeah. ago. No, th those are long gone, but Zinn still makes the 144. Um, and a couple of things about the 144 is very, um, uh, you know. Unique about it? Unique about it is that it has a very Zinn look to it. And what do I mean by that? Um, it's got a tachymeter and pulsimeter scale um, internal to the bezel. Uh, the, and it's, it's very functionally thought out and laid out really well, right? So the central seconds hand, the chronograph seconds hand, and the, the top subdial and the bottom subdial are all chronograph function related, right? So you've got right. the central seconds hand, on top you've got the minutes, and then on bottom you've got the hours. Right, uh, and basically it, the, the register, it's three registers, right? One's at 12, six and nine, or six, yep. nine and 12. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, the, and the six and 12 are the chrono registers and the nine is the running seconds hand, which is in one. Gotcha. So you, you don't, you know, when you engage the chronograph, there's no, there's no mystery on what hands you're supposed to be following. You know, it's, they're all right. red and they all, it makes sense. They, they put a lot of thought into it. Um, with regards to sizing, it's about 41 millimeters by 14.55. Uh, it's got a bead blasted matte finish, uh, the STSA, the regular, you, I think there was a special edition Jubilee edition in black, um, but I, I got the, the straightforward bead blasted matte. Um, inside is the Valju 7750, um, auto, automatic chronograph movement, um, not a Lamania 5100. I, I'm not sure if the original Zen 144s had the Lamania. I, I would think they would, consistent with the Hoyer and, and uh, the watches of that era, but I don't know for a fact. Pretty, uh, currently they use the Valju 7750, which is a high movement, you know? So when you do wear the Zinn, um, they've done a lot of things to make the watch wearable and smaller. Um, obviously the integrated uh, lugs help, um, but you know, there's no way going around the thickness of that movement. Yeah, and that's the problem movement. with the, that's the problem with the Fortis too, because it's the same movement. But what I like about the Zinn, especially with the 144, is the way they designed the case, you know, basically it's pretty, it looks pretty thin. Yes. Um, around the dial, but at the dial, you know, you got the thickness there, but they try to kind of cut the visual aspects and also probably the weight too. It, yeah, it's definitely tapered down. Uh, one thing I would like to point out is that um, uh, it's a nightmare to take the, the links off. So a couple of things they do really well, right? So, um, you can actually size the bracelet yourself. Zinn has uh, bracelets with basically tiny screws. They're, they're Phillips flathead screws, and they, they provide a Phillips uh, flathead screwdriver to adjust the bracelet yourself. So 
all you have to do is basically just unscrew the links that you don't want, screw it back on, and you're done. And you've got micro adjust on the actual uh, clasp as well. So you can get a really comfortable um, bracelet fit on the watch really easily. No, no, okay. no jeweler necessary, no, no tools necessary. They give you everything. And it's really straightforward. So I have to tell you, I have never adjusted a watch bracelet in my life for any watch. I've always taken it to a jeweler to get that done. And I was able to do that myself. So I'm very impressed. I mean, that, that in I'm, itself. I'm, I'm impressed with you. I mean, you know, you first changed the bezels. Now you're changing uh, bracelets. So <laughs> this is easy. But the problem is, you know, and th this is the trade-off is that, you know, whereas you can always take the bracelet off your Speedy or your Seiko or whatever, um, I can't get the bracelet off this watch. Um, the way that the integrated um, lugs fit into the watch, basically you have to um, lay the, the bracelet thin, flat and then open where it connects to the sides of the watch. And then for whatever reason, I cannot get enough leverage in there to get the bracelet off. I just can't. I've been, gotcha. I've been working with a tool um, off and on for days. I just can't do it. And I actually went online. And this is a common issue. Apparently, Zins are notorious for having it uh, being pretty difficult to get the bracelet off. So gotcha. uh, I'm not the only one, uh, which is the only thing that's kind of annoying because I'd love to just throw this on NATO and just save the weight a little bit. Um, but, you know, obviously, it's a little bit of a challenge. If you look at the watch, there's actually two um, sets of holes um, for where it connects to the spring bar. So you've got a spring bar further in to get a nice tight fit for the bracelet. And there's a little spring bar further out. I'm sorry, there's another set of holes further out in case you wanted to wear it with a, a leather strap or a NATO or something like that. So they yeah. really thought about that, um, you know, which, which is great. And the thing is, if you were able to remove the bracelet, you can take out the rigid last uh, link closest to the case on top and bottom. And you actually right. really make the watch a, quite a bit smaller, uh, a lot more wearable, because that last link doesn't uh, bend down all the way. It just flexes up and down. Gotcha. Um, so once you remove that last link, it's actually a pretty small watch, you know, um, and it works. Even, even with the height, it, it works. It's really not, it's really not hard um, to wear. Um, even with the bracelet, it's not hard to wear, but, you know, it's, it's just a question of trying different things. Um, one thing I did notice is it does have an exhibition case back to it. Um, and the rotor is, is marked as in, oh, um, boy. blue screws, uh, it's rated to 200 meters water resistance. There we go. So Here even go. with the, even with the exhibition case back, it is water rated to 200 meters. Um, it's got a screw down, uh, crown and the pushers are, um, I think they've got gaskets in there. Um, so they're not screwed on pushers, but um, they are, they do have a, a bit of water resistance to them. Uh, one thing anyone should know for any watch that any chronograph that is any bit water resistance, do not ever engage the chronograph underwater. Basically all you're doing is breaking that seal and basically destroying your watch. So don't do that. Um, and yeah, so what are your thoughts on the exhibition case back? So to listeners out there, Tommy hates exhibition case backs. You know, I kind of go back and forth, to be honest. Um, I don't mind it. I, I think it's cool. You can kind of see the movement. It's decorated. The rotor's decorated and the screws are blue. So there's that. 
Um, it's the only watch I have that's got uh, expedition, uh, ugh, ex exhibition case back. So it's something different for me. Um, to be honest, being a waterproof chronograph, I could do without it, but it doesn't bother me. As long as it doesn't fail, it, it really doesn't bother me. Um, it's the same uh, sapphire crystal as the uh, as the crystal in the front. So gotcha. it's pretty consistent. But um, look, it, you know, this, this watch is basically made out of tegumented steel, which is Zinn's uh, uh, signature steel hardening process. Uh, other, other people call it submarine steel, but um, it, it's tough, you know, and it's, it's, got, a, it's got a coating, anti-scratch coating as well on it. So, um, you know, I got to say, yeah, I, this watch is from 2016. I bought a secondhand from Germany, um, full set, everything on eBay. It was, it was a good buy good price. And I've got to tell you, there's not a single scratch on this watch um, nice. in the four years. And it wasn't like it wasn't used at all. I, I gave it a thorough cleaning and everything, but I, I really looked around. It's, it's pretty much in mint condition. And yeah. um, the only time you, only place you see any kind of wear and tear is really the, uh, the clasp for the watch, which that is typically the, you know, the most common wear and tear. It's it is clasp. what it is. Yeah. People because... sit at a desk and yeah. You know, they scratch the watch. Which but, is uh, why I typically switch over the straps if I can to a NATO um, or something else. So I can protect the, the, the clasp, really, and yeah. the bracelet. So that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, you know, I, I love the watch. I think it looks uh, super cool. Um, it's got that awesome 70s look to it, um, but it's a serious automatic chronograph. Um, it's, it just oozes tool watch. Um, and it's executed really well. And listen, Zen, Zen is the standard for a lot of things. You know, it pushes the technological limit. Whether and it, it and it and it's innovative, right? I mean, they've got the lubrication-free escapement, their diapel uh, system. Right. They've got the anti-fogging technology. They call ARD humidifying. My my Zen one four four. I don't think actually has that, but there's a slot for it if you chose to install it. Basically, what it is is it's a it's a type of uh, it's a copper sulfate little okay. canister that you stick into the watch. And what it does is it soaks up um, moisture and humidity inside the watch into this canister. And it, the canister changes color over time. And then the idea is after a couple of years, you change the canister. But what this does is it, it, it keeps the watch insides as dry as possible. Nice. Um, so nice. if there's any failures um, in the seal or in the gaskets, you've got this as a bit of an insurance policy. Genius, yeah. Uh, always always comes the up Germans. With always the Germans. They always think ahead. Well, um, Tommy, welcome to European. Welcome to European. Yeah, so I love it. Um, this is, you know, I, I, I guess the nearest analog to it is the Speedmaster. They're both European chronographs. The Speedmaster being a manual wound, uh, you know, professional chronograph, and the Zen being an automatic. It is, uh, it's a very different feel to it. It's, it's, a, it's tough. It's solid, um, and by virtue of having this tegumented steel and the anti-scratch uh, stuff, you, you really think you can punish it, and you have to worry a little bit less. I obviously do not punish it. I take good care of my watches, um, but you know you kind of feel like you could, and it would be all right. So, um, yeah, those are my thoughts. Well, uh, no, that's congrats, Tommy. First of all, uh, this is one of the early watches we talked about before we even recorded a podcast um, years ago. Um, I, and we brought this up a few times that 
it's circled around the Tutima Bund, which is a similar case design and everything. But this this comes very close to what you were looking for in the beginning. Um, Absolutely, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm very reticent to say this is the one watch anyone would ever need. But it kind of ticks a lot of boxes. It's a pilot's watch. It's an automatic chronograph. And it's waterproof. I mean, yeah. I'm not really sure how many other functions you really need on top of this. It's got a day date as well. A GMT would be nice. A GMT. And there is a 144 GMT out there. There is. There is. Uh, I have to actually double check the reference number. I but... think it's the 144 Diapal, maybe. I think it's literally that. Because you and I went back and forth. Um, so prior to Tommy purchasing this watch, he, he's, he, he, he basically researched the internet to death um, as to where a good deal and he kind of roped me along for it and I was in this down this rabbit hole looking for watches for him as well um, but we explored several options and one of them was the Zen 103 and yes. uh, Zen 103 Diapal and then I and him and I kind of redirected to the 144 because there were a lot more uh, deals out there at the time so, and, uh, so Diapal specifically just means it's got that uh, lubrication in it. It doesn't right. signify a GMT. There is a model 144 GMT ST. It's called the, gotcha, the World gotcha. Time Chronograph. Yeah, it's on Zen, um, Zen's website. It's currently available. Um, and it looks very similar to, to my 144. It, it has um, Arabic numerals instead of just the hash marks. And that's really the major visual difference, except for that GMT hand, of course. Um, but yeah, you know, that, I think that's the only function that's left out is probably a GMT or a world timer functionality, yeah. which, you know, whatever. <laughs> Next watch. Next watch, yeah. I mean, soon you're going to say, guys, you need a moon phase and a perpetual calendar, oh, right? Oh, God. I, I will never be one of those guys. You know? <laughs> I just can't. I'm, I'm not... You know, I think Sanj and I, Sanj, you know, we have a cousin in common who's one of those guys, and it's just not us. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I'm I'm quite pleased with it. And Sanj, when when quarantine ends, uh, I'll you know you you got to take it for a test drive and share your thoughts as well. All right. Absolutely, I'll be there. I'll I'll literally come over to see you, not because of you, but just to wear the watch there you go there you go and and it's interesting that the fortis has the same movement um so i'm kind of curious what the dimensions are side by side um so you know if you bring the it's fortis still gonna to look like a they... brick to a stone <laughs> and, and, and it's to do with the, the the zen's case you know they cut out basically wherever they could in the sense yes yeah i mean Whereas... it's all it's all dial it's basically all dial yeah, yeah but so... the thickness should be more or less the same We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> there is a whittling down in the bottom as well, right? So they've actually also curved the case down, um, basically analogous to the dial for the yeah. case back. So it's basically you've got, the, I don't know if you could immediately flip it back and forth. It doesn't work that way. It curves. But at the same time, you basically got two dials. Um, and Zinn really thought of making it as small as possible and whittling down the yeah. weight as much as possible. So. Yeah, it, it's it's executed really well. Uh, very impressive. So I'm quite cool. pleased. No, I enjoyed the, the, the new watch. Yeah, the next uh, adventure is to get the bracelet off and get it on some straps. But uh, stay tuned for that. I'm still proud that uh, that I'm still part of involved in your watch deals. Um, 
oh, the past few watch purchases you've made. I'm just kind of like the opposite of your uh, financial advisor. Yeah, you're sending me to the poorhouse. That's that's what it is, you know. But you'll have all your watches. That's true. I'm I'm going to keep perfect time in that in, in <laughs> under the bridge wherever I'm living. <laughs> all right. <laughs> So uh, for streaming gold, Sanch, uh, this is actually not a, uh, a streaming gold that's free necessarily, and I'll explain. So uh, for today's streaming gold is The Day of the Jackal, a 1973 movie starring Edward Fox as the titular hitman um, hired by a shadowy group to kill Charles de Gaulle, president of France. Um, it's based on the Frederick Forsyth novel. Uh, for people who don't, don't know, Charles de Gaulle actually had quite a few um, attempts on his life while he was president in the 1950s and 60s. Mm -hmm. um, and in the novel, uh, basically these attempts fail as they did in real life. And this group hires this uh, hitman who you never really know his real name. is He just goes by the jackal. And he's given a half a million uh, US dollars to kill the president. And it's a, f I, I cannot recommend this movie enough. It is fantastic. It is the closest you, you'll see to uh, a, you know, a documentary on how a spy or a hitman would operate in, in mid-century Europe. Like, you know, he does everything from scratch. And what do I mean by that? Like he constructs an, a fake identity by scratch. He steals passports from the airport. He's basically going through graveyards, finding out, uh, writing down names of, of dead uh, infants or toddlers. And what he does is he picks toddlers around the same age as him and he, he gets the birth certificate and he gets passports and he basically forges all his paperwork. Um, and in Europe, you know, he's traveling all over Europe, basically setting up, uh, assembling the gun that he would, he would need to do to, to carry out the job, uh, modifying the car uh, so he could get into Paris and do the job. Um, and at the same time, you know, word comes out that, you know, the president is threatened and there's a team that's assembled to, basically find him, find out who he is and hunt him down before he can do it. So um, it's an excellent movie. Edward Fox is fantastic as the Jackal. Um, it is available for rent and purchase on Amazon Prime. Um, and But there is a version on YouTube, which is uh, HD, high quality, um, and it's a whole movie. Um, so I'll put a link to it on on the show notes, but obviously that YouTube uh, link may go down any day. You know, eventually it'll be shut down because it's not legal per se, but it's a great rip. So if you, if you can catch the movie quickly, I would recommend that. Otherwise, by all means, rent or buy the movie. It is a fantastic movie. And they, yes, Sanj, before you say anything, they did do a remake in the 90s of Bruce Willis. <laughs> that movie was god awful. And <laughs> It was not bad. It was actually, I enjoyed it. I saw it when it first came out and I enjoyed it. It was horrible. <laughs> what was wrong about it? I mean, it was a different spin. It was just a very bland action movie. And the guy what, had a gun that was like basically a chain gun version of a remote cow. controlled, right? It was like robot yeah, remote controlled. controlled. I. Okay, Sanj, I'll ask you this. You okay. know what? Yeah, Tommy, let's just be, let's be this. If, if you were in this movie, you would be the Jack Black of character, all right? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> no. Um, I just make this request, Sanj, all right? This is a respectful request, all right? I sent you the YouTube link. Watch the original movie. It's only like an hour and a half, okay? Sure. That is right. what the Bruce Willis remake is based on. 
And after you watch it, and we'll do it in the next time we tape, you tell me which one's a better movie and who was the better jackal. Okay. Sounds because good. I mean I, I will I will likely agree with you because I, I've heard of the Day of the Jackal and I've heard really good reviews about it. I just never came across about it. It it, it is fantastic. I yeah. mean, it and, is... and I'll agree with you on that. I'm just saying that I actually enjoyed the Bruce Willis remake. It was not okay. it was a good film. It was not a fantastic film, but it was a really good enjoyable You know, you're what the, the you know the studios have in mind as far as test audiences, you know, simple people simple plots some shiny objects you know this is what hollywood keep makes it simple for. just keep, keep it simple <laughs> simpletons you know, you know. Um, yeah but yeah so day of the jackal uh definitely check it out i'll put a link to the trailer and um i'll put a link to uh the youtube rip um obviously you know may not stay up too long so definitely go rent it but it's and it could be movie. you know available on the streaming platforms at one point in time hulu netflix amazon at some point you know yeah, they... i mean it's on amazon right now for 2.99 or right. $1.99 something like that it's really not that expensive and they did do a recent remaster of the movie i think in blu-ray um which you know i'm sure is what the youtube rip was on because it was Crystal clear was fantastic. So, so basically, an IKEA hot dog and ice cream, or the day of the jackal. Pr- pretty much, yeah. So, uh, highly recommended. It is a great spy movie. Uh, you can't go wrong. All right. All right. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us for another Land Jam short. This is almost the length of an episode. So, thanks again. Definitely follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and uh, subscribe wherever you get this. And if you are on Apple. By all means, please uh, rate and review us on Apple. It helps other people find the podcast, allegedly. And uh, that'd be nice. All right. Until next time.